Hey everyone, this is our Midweek Leadership Podcast. We believe that as you listen to it, it is going to move your life forward. So get ready for an amazing message. Chapter 6, I entitled this uh, leadership thought, Give and Take. Uh, In leadership, you need to understand, all of us need to understand, have refreshers on what we should give away and what we should take in. Things that we should be good about having an open hand and an open heart with and saying, this isn't mine, I got to give it away. And things that we need to take on, uh, things that God is bringing into our life. As a leader, you have to be really good at discerning what things need to be taken in your hands and what things need to be given away. And if you get that messed up and you you start taking things that you shouldn't, weights that you shouldn't, you will not run as fast as you need to run. And if you give away things and responsibilities that should stay with you, you'll get messed up as well. So it's really important to understand what should I give away and what should I take in? Okay, so Acts chapter 6 verse 1 says, but as the believers, and we're just going to go through this scripture kind of line by line, but as the believers rapidly multiplied. So what this means is church is growing. This is the very first church, and it's growing. And they said, as the believers rapidly, so this is happening fast, as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. So, So as the as the church is growing, people are coming to know God. As, as people are coming and, and giving their hearts to God and families are being changed and, and new lives are being formed in the sense of I'm giving a new life in Christ. As this amazing thing is happening, I mean, God's kingdom is coming from heaven to earth. I mean, this is an exciting thing. Okay, maybe I'm the only one excited about this. But this is an exciting thing. There are new people that are saying, I'm going to give my whole life to God. This sounds crazy that Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. But I actually believe it. And they're actually, they were seeing miracles happening. They were seeing people that couldn't walk starting to walk. They were seeing people that couldn't see now seeing. I mean, physical healings that were happening. And people are like, what is this power? What, what are you guys doing? I mean, it was a revival like the world has never seen. And so it's just, I mean, the church is bursting at the scenes. I want you to see the picture here. I mean, they're just, more people are coming. I mean, people are running to the apostles and saying, how can I be saved? How can I change my life? How can I know this Jesus that you talk about all the time? This is all that's happening. And look what happened. As this is happening, there were rumblings of discontent. The the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. I, I want you to see this first verse and understand that even in the most beautiful circumstances, Some people can find something to complain about. Even in the most miraculous things, some people can find something to complain about and bring not only a complaining spirit, but a 
disunified spirit. And, and I'll, I'll also talk to you. Uh, I, I want to talk to some of you who are younger, especially like in the internship. Sometimes it seems like it's cool to complain. Sometimes it might seem like it's cool to tear something down. And unfortunately, when you start learning that in junior high and high school, it only builds when you get older. And, and somehow it seems like uh, it's not just cool, but it, it, it casts you in this like superior mindset that you know something that everybody else doesn't when you complain, when you tear something down. And I will tell you, anybody in construction will tell you this. When they're, in, when they're in construction, it's way easier to demolish something than to build something. And I want to let you know that it's way easier to demolish things at your school. It's way easier to demolish things in your family. It's way easier to demolish things at church. It's way easier to demolish a friendship, to demolish something at your job. Some of you who are working and you don't like something that's happening in your job right now, it's way easier to rip that thing apart than to build it up. And even in the midst of a miracle, you can grab a hold of a complaining spirit. And, and, and here's the thing that's so difficult about falling into a complaining spirit where you see something, where you always, come on, I, I want you to take inventory. Do you always see negative? When you walk into something, do you always see what's wrong? Do you always see what, what do you always see glass half empty? I'm, and, and, and listen, I'm not talking about a personality because God gives us different personalities where some of us are always like, this is amazing. And some of us are like, well, let's look at that and let's see. I, 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 that's okay. That you, you can have different personalities. I'm talking about a spirit of complaining where everything is wrong all the time. It takes a monumental effort for you to actually be positive or actually say something that's going well. And in fact, the, what happens is you can be in the midst of a miracle and still complain. And still talk about how things are wrong. I'm talking about a negative bent. Every phone call, you're always bringing up something wrong. When you talk to somebody, somehow in your mind, you have worked out. The only thing that's worth talking about is something that's wrong. And when people try to bring something uh, wonderful into your life or talk about that, you, you actually know how to turn it to talk about something bad. And talk about how something's less than, something hasn't met your expectation, something is wrong, something's, listen, I'm telling you this, it's poison to your soul. And, and I, I, I will remind you of not just this scripture, but I will remind you of what happens when you let a complaining and negative spirit decide that it's going to live, not just live, but lead you. When you do that, what happens is you stay put forever. You never move forward. And our best and only example needs to be the children of Israel. They only complained in the desert, in the midst of miracles. And what happened? They stayed there, kept going, 
Kept going, kept 40 years, kept going, kept going, kept going. Never could go where God wanted them to go because what? They kept complaining, they kept complaining, they kept complaining. In fact, the only thing that allowed them to move forward was the complaining spirit. It had to, it had to die. Unfortunately, the only way that it died was those people had to die. And so they, he said, I'm just going to wait till they pass away and then a new generation will go. I, I just want to remind all of us how absolutely destructive complaining is and that spirit. You, you need to, okay, God, help me see miracles. Help me see your hand in the midst. It doesn't mean you put your head in the sand and you don't see things that need to be fixed. That's not what I'm saying. You can see things that need to be fixed, but you see things that need to be fixed. You pray the prayer of faith at that thing that needs to be fixed and say, God, I know that in the future that thing's going to change. God, I know that it's just right around the corner that something's going to be different. God, I know that you have a plan and a purpose and those things are going to change. What happens is faith is coming out of your mouth. And in that moment, you're understanding what James says, the power of life and death is in your tongue. And so if you want to have life around your, you, then you speak life. If you want to have death around you, speak death. But for me and my house, we're going to serve God and we're going to speak life around other things. It doesn't mean I don't understand that things are going wrong right now. It doesn't mean that I'm being blind to my circumstance. I am not letting my circumstance lead me and guide me. And I'm not going to let that stuff around that might be hard. I'm not going to let that stuff lead and guide my spirit. I'm going to walk into things that even look like death. And I'm going to walk in with faith and my head held high because I know who I serve and the power that rests in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to be a complaining spirit, even in the midst of miracles. Look at, look at this next one. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers... Select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom, and we'll give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Ministry is supposed to be given away. The apostles understood that they're not supposed to be doing everything. And some of us have not learned this about leadership. Some of us have bought into the lie that if you want things done right, do it yourself. That, that's actually faulty thinking. If you want, th the way we say it here at our church is if you want things done right, teach better. And so it puts the onus on you to actually be better teaching. Just don't fill up your plate so you can't do what only you can do. Just don't, and, but also just don't let it go either. Like, oh, I'm not going to even pay it. The apostles didn't say, oh, we don't even care about the food program. We don't care about the widow. No, they didn't, they didn't say that. They said, no, we need to get a better system. And, and, and we need to give this away so we can have more people involved in ministry. Our church will move forward at the speed that we're, allow, that we're uh, uh, allowing other people to do ministry. 
and that we're actually understanding that it's important to give it away. But here's the thing that allows us to do this ministry, and this is where a lot of us really trip up. And this could not be just in church. This could be in a business. This can be. This really hurts businesses and, and business leaders and business owners because they've only, they started with themselves, and then as the thing grew, they're like, how do we do this anymore? I'm the only one who can do this. I'm the only one who can take this over. And so they fill their plate with more and more until they just break down or the business stops growing because they have not learned how to give things away. But the problem with them when they... And this is why some people don't give things away, because when they've given things away, it doesn't get done right. But a lot of people want to put the, the blame on that person instead of the blame on how they taught them. And so you don't understand, okay, it's really important. This is great for the apostle. You know what the apostle said? They said, okay, we got to get this away. Okay, who, the se- who, who are seven, seven people? that are well-respected, have wisdom, and full of the Holy Spirit. Who, who are those seven? Let's get them. Well, if they could ask who the seven were, guess what? That means that they had seven waiting in the wings. Because as they were moving forward, they were also developing people. Uh, if you don't have seven behind you, or if you don't have one behind you, you're never going to be able to give ministry away. If you, if you don't have somebody behind you that you are raising up, this thing is not just about you. This thing, your business is not just about you. Who are you developing? Here, here's I want you to write this down. You will always be a doer if you are, aren't a developer. You will always be a doer if you aren't a developer. Some of you who want more responsibility, learn how to develop people. Some of you who want to move forward in your life, learn how to develop people. But if you don't learn how to develop people, you will always be a doer. You will always be somebody who's handed a task, not handed a ministry or a responsibility. You will always be handed just a checklist to do something until you learn how to develop, until you learn how to reach into somebody else's life and say, you were like this, now let's move you towards this place. Because somebody did that with you, and that's why you're in the place that you are right now. But you will always be a doer if you are not a developer. So God help us to develop people, not just do a task. Because we want to move forward. The church is growing. The business is growing. The things are moving forward. My family's growing. I got to learn how to be a developer, not just a doer. One of the best things that I've ever seen in parenting is when I've seen parents who have developed their kids to do some stuff. I'm thankful at 44, 42, I don't even know how old I am. That's when you know you're old, when you can't even remember how old you are. Jess just looked at me. She goes, yeah, it's in the 40s somewhere. I'm so glad that in my 40s, my mom isn't showing up to my house and saying, let's put your underwear on. Let's put your pants on. 
No, no, no some, something would be very, very wrong if that was happening. But I, I'm telling you, at some point when I was really little, I was developed to be able to do something so my mom and dad could do something else. You seeing what I'm saying? You've got to be able to give ministry away, but the only way that you give ministry away is if you actually can develop somebody and say, here's, a, here's something you got to do, and that has to keep going. That, ha- that has to keep going in your life. Uh, next thing, r- real quick here. Um, then, then they said this, uh, and, and we will give them, uh, oh, sorry, so select seven men who are well-respected, full of the Spirit, and wisdom. Full of the Spirit and wisdom. Not just talent, also the right heart. Sometimes we select people because of talent, but they don't have the right heart. Sometimes we we pick people that have the right heart, but just don't have the ability to do the thing we're asking them to do. I'm telling you, you have to mix both. Otherwise, it's going to be frustrating for everybody involved. It's going to be frustrating for you because you feel like the thing isn't getting done, and it's going to be frustrating for them because they feel like they can't ever match up to the thing that they're asked to do. Has to be both. And then they said, and then we'll give them this what? Responsibility. Right? Responsibility. Notice they didn't say, and then we'll give them this task. There's a difference between a task and a responsibility. One, the task always will keep the weight with you. The responsibility gives the weight to the other person. Are we just giving tasks? As, as business owners, are we just giving tasks or are we giving responsibility? Are you giving weight away? Or are you just giving, just do this, come back with me. And if you don't do it right, I'll come back and finish it behind you. That's a task. Now, I want to give you responsibility. And sometimes, here's the hard one as leaders. Sometimes when you give away responsibility, the person that you gave the responsibility fails. And you have to let them fail. So they can learn how to fail forward. Now, I'm not saying you hurt your business or you hurt the church or you hurt your family or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. There are things that you're like, that can't fail. And so I have to make sure that that doesn't fail. But you have to look for places and to say, okay, if this doesn't work out, this is going to be a failure. It's not going to be fatal, but it is going to be a failure. And I need to let them feel the weight of this so that they can learn, oh, this thing's on me. That's what a responsibility is, not a task. And I love that the apostle said, let's give them this responsibility. Okay, last one. I know I'm going a little long, but this last one was a to me, okay? Everybody ready? You're not, I'm, you're not ready. There's no way that you could be ready. I wasn't, no, you're not. I wasn't ready. You're not ready. No one's ready. Uh, okay. Look at this. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following people. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicor, Nincor, Tim, Tim, Timon, 
Parmenius. I mean, they got the weirdest, worst names ever. Nicholas of Antioch. I mean, uh, so all, all of this. I, I want to draw some highlight to that first name. These are the people that they're trusting with food distribution. Stephen. Do you know who Stephen is? Stephen was the first martyr in Christianity. Stephen, if you read down this chapter, was a, a man that they said was signs and wonders were following him. And then as he talked in the Jewish temple, people couldn't even debate with him because the Holy Spirit was so strong with the words that they were saying. And so, in fact, they had to create something that was a lie to arrest him, to even bring him in front of the council. And that's when you get one of the most incredible, in my opinion, the most succinct understanding of God saving this planet in one speech that you'll ever see in Acts chapter 7. It is one of the most beautiful laid out understandings of God's hand moving to save humanity that you'll ever read. All from Stephen. And, in so, and, and as he gets done, we all know the story, as he gets done, that there's so much Holy Spirit in that room that it infuriated the Jewish leaders. They grabbed Stephen, threw him out, and killed him by stoning him. This was the catalyst that started Saul on his road to become Paul. I want you to see that Stephen didn't start preaching to the whole Jewish community. Stephen started in a food program. Stephen started in a distribution center where he's giving food to widows. And so if you can't grab onto something that looks small, God will never give you something that will be big. If you continually sit there and wait for, well, my time is going to come, God's going to bring me something else, and don't know it's not big enough for me, so I'm just going to sit on the sideline till it's something big and shiny and awesome, and my name is in light, that's never going to happen. But if you can learn how to empty a trash can, if you can learn how to sweep a floor, if you can learn how to serve others when no one knows your name and no one even understands who Stephen is, when you can understand that that is the place that God has for you, God will give you more and more and more and more and more. But it has to start in this moment where it looks like no one else sees you. Can you be hidden for a while? Can you stay where no one knows your name for a while? Can you be in a place where no one's clapping for you and no one's being away? to go. This is amazing. Wow. Can you be in that place? Because if you can be in that place, God can trust you with bigger things. God can trust you in this moment, but you've got to be willing to say, yes, I'll do the no-name thing. What if in a moment Stephen says, no, I should be doing what the apostles do. God's got gifting on my life. 
God's got his hand on my life. I should be doing what the apostles, don't, don't give me the widows and the food distribution. I, I, that's, that's not cool to me. I'm not going to take that. That's not, no one's going to give me a lot of likes on Instagram for that. I, I don't want that. But that's exactly where God wants you. Because if you can do that, God will bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you until everybody knows your name. But that wasn't even Stephen's aim. His aim was to serve. And he served till the end. And so we have to understand what do we give and what do we take. There might be some people right now, you know, God is asking you to take some things right now, to put on some things, to take, to take something. And it might not be all in lights, and it might not be something that's really huge, and amazing, but it's just God wanting you to be faithful. I will tell you, run to that thing. Be the first one to sign up. Because God will blow you away as you are faithful in the small. What, what did Jesus say in, you, to all of those in the, his parable, his story, to all the uh, parable of the talents? He said, you were faithful with a few. Now I trust you with a lot. So Jesus, we pray, God, today for every person, every person who's listening, everybody in this room right now, Father, we pray that, God, we would be faithful with what you have given us. God, the things we need to give away, help us give away. The things that we need to take, help us take those things on. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, the only name that we'd be interested in lifting high would be your name. And every, every other name does not matter. It is yours and yours alone. And, Father, we pray that, God, you would give us the courage and the strength and help us with your grace to do each and every one of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, we hope this message has pushed you forward in your leadership and your relationship with God. We can't wait to see you this Sunday or in a connect group. Have an amazing week. We'll see you then.